Jesus' promise is fulfilled when the apostles receive the Holy Spirit and are empowered to guide the church and share the good news throughout the world. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them the ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered because each one heard them speaking in the native tongue of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, are not, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear uh, each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show you portents in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoking mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people. The psalm that has been appointed for this morning is Psalm 104, verses 25 through 35 and verse 37, to be found on page 4 of your worship leaflet. If you're able, please stand and let us sing.
may be seated. A reading from Paul's letter to the church in Rome. All who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and of children than heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If, in fact, we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Holy Gospel of our Savior Jesus Christ, according to John. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Philip said to Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and we shall be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still do not know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me, that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do, and in fact will do greater than these, because I am going to the Father. I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Come, Holy Spirit of God, set us on fire with the light of your love, and through us and with us, renew the face of your earth. Amen. Please be seated. Uh, notice the cottonwood last night, or not last night, last week, about Tuesday or Wednesday. Cottonwood trees release thousands of their cotton fiber seeds into the air, into the wind. And it was like giant snowflakes in the wind. Deborah says that the folks like me are allergic to this. Probably so, but we'll get them cleaned up later. Just want you to watch for a minute. And the cottonwood seeds are released. Hundreds of thousands of seeds are released into the air. We can't see the wind. Can't see the wind, but we can see the effects of it. 
with the likes of these. We can see the direction of the wind, from whence it comes, from whence it go to whence it goes, something of the velocity of the wind that we would entirely miss without the objects floating in it. Something of how the Holy Spirit, how we are in terms of the Holy Spirit at work in God's church among the people of God. We cannot see the Holy Spirit, but we can certainly see the effects of the work of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, is given to God's people in the church not for the good of individuals, but for the good of the community as a whole. Dan made a bold statement in Bible study this last week. He said the Holy Spirit is not given out in the world. It's given to the church, uniquely to the church, to individuals, the people of God, for the building up of the people of God. The Spirit of God comes by the very will of the Spirit of God. Thank God we can't manipulate the Spirit. The Spirit comes and goes and gives gifts as the Spirit will. And those gifts are for the good of the high good of God's people, the church, the people gathered. Now in the early church, the first century church, there were problems in the church, problems among the people gathered because of misunderstandings of the work of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There were some Spirit-gifted Christians who believed that they were better than anyone else because of the gifts that they had received. Some thought they were better than anyone else because of the person who baptized them. And Paul says in various Sunday letters, no. He says no to these kinds of, of divisive positions. Paul writes again in various letters that the Spirit gives gift, different gifts to different individuals for the common good. Of course they benefit the individual to whom they're given. But the point is not the individual. The point is the common good, the good of all. Paul also writes that some of the gifts given by the Spirit are not very practical. He's speaking of the gift of ecstatic speech, glossolalia, the gift of tongues, if you will. Paul writes, again in some of his letters, that this gift does no one any good if there's not interpretation. And at some point he implies, how can you trust the interpreter? An interpreter for, for an interpreter to tell what the Spirit's saying? Hmm. Paul writes he'd rather have a few understandable words in community of faith than hundreds of words of ecstatic speech. Now, having said these things, it was on the day of what we call Pentecost, the 50th day. People were in Jerusalem from all nations. They heard the rush of a mighty wind. That was not a mighty wind earlier. That was a small air draft. I was in South Dakota several years ago and I experienced 
a mighty wind. There's nothing in South Dakota to break the wind. It starts, it continues, it goes. And this wind on an afternoon about 4.30 was so strong that I could hardly stand straight up, upright. It almost pushed me over. I had to literally push my body against the wind. It, that was a mighty wind, if you will. People heard the sound of a mighty wind. The effects of the Spirit, the consequences of the Spirit at work. They saw flames of fire on the heads of the disciples. Again, consequences of the Spirit at work. Manifestations of the Spirit at work. Visual effects, if you will. And then each one, regardless of the nation they came from, heard in their own native tongue, in words that they could understand, the mighty works of God. It wasn't just anything being talked about in various languages on that day. It was the mighty works of God. And by the mighty work of God, through the Spirit on that day, apostles who were ordinary, everyday, fishermen, tax collectors, whatever, spoke the things that God had done and was doing. He spoke of what the only God was doing and had done, what the true God was doing and had done. God who creates and names and forms and leads and empowers and forgives and saves and recreates for God's own self. Several weeks ago in a sermon I invited you all to share stories with us about your favorite story of Jesus and why that story meant something to you. Several people in the congregation turned those cards back in, or those sheets back in with their answers. What I found is that their experiences, their story, and their experience coming out of that story resulted over a long period of time. It wasn't just an instant thing. With permission, I'm going to share one of those stories with you this morning, and others will be shared at a later date. And in relating this particular story, I decided it would be better not to try to edit it and take away the story, but read this story to you verbatim. It comes from is a member of Advent Church who comes to the 8 o'clock congregation, sits about there, here, every week, same place, all the time, he related this story that I share with you. My favorite story of Jesus is one of Jesus hitting adults and children, those of Jesus hitting adults and children who came to him for help due to illness, due to being blind, deaf, disabled, and so forth. There's no single story, but these divine events of healing are frequently mentioned. How these stories affected me in my particular circumstance are related as follows. My granddaughter was born with an orthopedic defect identified as 
arthrogryposis. The joints on her ankles, knees, elbows, wrists, and fingers were fused when she was born so that no joints could function. She could not flex or bend any of her limbs. One upper thigh bone was not in a fully formed hip socket, causing one leg to be shorter than another. Her feet were deformed. Additionally, some ligaments and muscles in her arms and legs had regressed during the pregnancy. My son and daughter-in-law, fearing that the infant did not survive, made immediate plans to have her baptized at Advent Church. While they were making these plans, I was making arrangements to get her into Shriners Hospital. Before she could be accepted as a patient, she had to go through a series of tests and examinations to determine if she qualified for Shriners Health. And so physicians put into her arms to make biopsies of tissue. At the time of the baptism at Advent Church, her arms were healing, but leaving red scars. During the baptismal ceremony, my son was kneeling at the altar rail with his daughter in his arms. After the ceremony, he came up to my wife and me, and I vividly remember this, and said, Dad, Mom, while I was kneeling at the altar rail holding I was looking at the red scarring on her arms, and that red scarring just faded away. Accepted as a patient in Shriners Hospital. Initially, we were told she could never walk, would only be able to attend school for the disabled. Since 1989, she's gone through 11 surgeries, spent months in a body cast, years with a custom made leg and foot braces, and many hours of painful therapy given by her parents and Shriners at Shriners Hospital to make her body functional. These are important parts of the story to me. I honestly believe that when my son was holding his daughter at the altar rail, there was divine intervention for my infant granddaughter, which was the beginning of the healing process for her. From the beginning of her young life, I have prayed to Jesus and the Lord God to heal her body, to give her strength, guidance, direction, and purpose in her life where she could function and live normally. My prayers have been answered. Even though she has to walk stiff-legged, she can walk. She's able to feed, dress, and take care of herself due to surgical alterations of her arms. We are so thankful that she can do many things we thought would never be possible. My prayers to Jesus have continued through her life. I feel grateful for her to be on the Advent prayer list every Sunday and I'm grateful for the blessings of my church, which help her in her life. She will always have orthopedic difficulties and physical limitations, but no longer does she have to wear a leg brace and foot brace braces, and she can function reasonably well. She has not become an invalid. She has attended public school, participated in limited school activities, and now is in her third year of college. A tremendous achievement which she thought would never happen is her courage to live on campus away from home. I continue to pray to Jesus, the Lord Almighty, 
for her well-being and future. Why do these stories of Jesus healing other people mean something in my life? These circumstances with my granddaughter show me the power of prayer and believing in Almighty Jesus Christ. Prayers may not be always be answered the way we ask, but there may be a divine reason why they are not. I watched this young person progress from being an invalid at birth to being a functional person with some limitations. She gives me purpose in life. She is such a joy in my life, especially when we spend time together. She has overcome many bumps and hurdles in her young life. I believe that through prayer, Jesus gave divine intervention through her parents in terms of love, patience, help, understanding, and support, and through divine intervention, which he gave through which he gave skills to surgeons and those on, and therapists on the hospital staff. And I also believe that her grandfather's prayers throughout her life helped in some small way. Stories of Jesus formed in us and understood by us over a long period of time by the working of the Holy Spirit who helps us see and know and discern what our stories mean. Your story inspires us in ours, and our story inspires others in theirs. I'm going to be bold and say that Pentecost is not just a one-time event. It's an everyday, every moment event if we will take time to look and to see and to know. Because the Holy Spirit works from day to day, from moment to moment, through the people of God to build us up and never to tear us down. Never to break us apart, but always to unite us as one people of God. Gifts of God for the people of God. Gifts of the people of God for all those whom God would have us invite and come and see and share and tell. Amen.